wife Naomi, and the name of his two sons, Malon and Shilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. And Eli Melech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons. And they took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah, and the other name of the other was Ruth. They dwelt there about ten years. And Malan and Chilion died also, both of them, and the women the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters in law that she might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the land, excuse me, in the country of Moab, how that the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. Wherefore she went out from the place where she was, and her daughters, two daughters in law with her, and they went on the way to return into the land of Judah. And Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each to her mother's house, and the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. And the Lord grant you that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voice and wept. And they said unto her, Surely we will return with thee unto thy people. And Naomi said, Turn again, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there yet any more sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn again, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have an husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should have an husband also tonight and should also bear sons, will you tarry for them till they were grown? Would you stay for them from having husbands? Nay, my daughters, for it grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord is gone out against me. And they lifted up their voice and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. And she said, Behold, my sister-in-law is gone back to her people, and unto her gods return thou after thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee, for whither thou goest, I will go. Whither thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God, my God. Where thou diest, I will die, and there will be I will be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. Rather lengthy reading for... For me, I usually don't read that many verses. But I want to bring to your attention tonight something that the Lord impressed upon me some time ago. And I, I want to entitle this, Is it a response or a reaction? Is it a response or a reaction? You may be seated. The word response is defined to react to something by taking a particular course of action. A reaction is defined as the way you feel as a result of something that happens. I'll read those again. Response is defined as to react to something by taking a particular course of action. And reaction is defined as the way you feel as a result of something that happens. When there are things that occur going down our Texas highways, sometimes things can occur in a flash in a moment and you react out of impulse. 
something that maybe flash in front of you or a car suddenly speeds in front of you or stops in front of you, there is a reaction. It might be a gasp. It might be calling them ignorant. I won't say who might do that. But there's some among us that's been guilty of it. And I have a feeling there's more than one. I'll never forget, I was riding in the car with Dad when we lived in, in Florida. That's back when we were first married, 1985. We worked at Disney World. Sister Motes and I both worked at Disney World. I worked in what is known as the tunnel. If you go to Disney World, you will never see the tunnel. Uh, you had to have special permission to go down in the service tunnel. The service tunnel is 12 miles long, and it goes in a loop, and then there's one path that goes through the middle. And the path that goes through the middle goes directly under the castle, and thus it leaks water occasionally into the tunnel. And it's made of concrete, about 8 feet high by about 10 feet wide, and they run little electric carts up and down that thing because it's, again, 12 miles long. And it goes all the way around the park. Just in case you didn't know, now you know. And I worked in what was known as Main Street Stock, a stock room. And it was my job to stock the stores that sit on Main Street. And uh, there were elevators. There's certain uh, certain stores if you go to the back, there is an access to an elevator that takes you down to the tunnel, but you didn't hear that from me. Uh, but if you get caught, what will be under you? You'll probably be banned from the park for the rest of your known life. But uh, when we lived in uh, uh, Florida, my dad lived in, in uh, just outside of Orlando in a place called Apopka. That's the same town in which Steve Williams pastors a church, the Pentecostals of Apopka. Uh, and then we lived in a little community that still exists today called Killarney, which sat on Lake Apopka, which is the third largest lake in the state of Florida. I could see crocodiles floating out there. In fact, one day, uh, one of uh, our uh, neighbors lost their poodle to a crocodile. He come right out of the water and took him down. But nonetheless, uh, I was riding in the car with Dad. And uh, Dad's always, uh, <clears throat> this, is, this is being recorded, so he may get to hear it, but that's okay. I don't mind. He was going down the road, and we were all riding together, and somebody, you know, pulled out in front of them. Florida drivers are pretty wild, and they pulled out in front of Dad, and he said, I can't believe this, you jimbo fiddle strings. I said, what did you just say? Jimbo fiddle strings. I like to fell out. I laughed so hard. But that was his reaction. Called him a jimbo fiddle strings. Don't ask me where it come from. I have no earthly idea. But reaction is something that you are based on emotion. Something that affects your emotion causes you to respond in a certain manner. And so a reaction is simply a result of something that happens. You are automatic to respond to a certain thing that occurs, and that is a reaction. But a response is a little bit more than that. To have a response, again, is to react to something by taking a particular course of action. One requires only a feeling, and the other requires change. Is it a response, or is it a reaction? When the Spirit of the Lord moves among us, just like we felt just a few moments ago, only you can answer this, but is it what you respond back? Is it a reaction just moving according to the emotion that you feel? To display an emotion because you feel emotion? Or is there a response? 
to the presence of God. When God speaks, do you just react or do you respond? Now some of that is just like... But I'll bring it to you a little closer. When the Spirit of the Lord begins to move and he calls for us to step up a little higher and we get caught up in the emotion of the moment. God uses emotion. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not belittling emotion. We've got we to gotta have that part. That part of, it's part of us. It's part of our hardwiring. And when God moves, we often will reply with a reaction of emotion. Oh, I feel the presence of the Lord. I love you, Jesus. I, I praise your name. You're so good to me, Lord. But yet still, the response is not given, only a reaction. A response is when God moves and you say, God, Lord, I want more of you. And I, Lord, want to follow after your leading. And Lord, I want you to use me in the kingdom. I, I, God, I want to be used more, Lord. I, I'm not satisfied with just this little feeling. But I want to respond in kind that I am dedicating the rest of my life to you. And I, I want to do what you would have for me to do. When God moves on us or maybe when the word goes forth, are we guilty sometimes of just reacting to the word? Oh, that's good, preacher. I like what you're saying. That, that sounds great. And, uh, and I want you to know I'm amening you. Boy, that's good. Keep it up. Give me more. Just an emotional response. But yet in a response is where you say, I'm receiving what the word is putting and imparting to me and I am going to apply my life and pattern my life word for word, line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little and there a little. I'm going I'm to pattern my life exactly just as the word is coming to my life. And Lord, if it hurts or if it just burns a little bit, then I need to step back and make a reevaluation that I can respond with a uh, something that will give me a course of action that I can line up with the word of God more effectively and more perfectly. It's one thing to respond to the word of God by emotional reaction, but it's another thing to respond with a course of action that says I'm putting this to concrete. I'm going to make sure that I'm going to line up and I'm going to do what God is trying to tell me to do. Joshua said, you're going to have to make a choice. Whether you're going to serve the gods on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land we stand or even the god of the Egyptians that you just got delivered from. You're going to have to make a choice. You're going to have to decide. Choose you this day. Whom you will serve. He was looking for a response, not a reaction. It's so easy for us to react with emotional response, but it takes much more for us to give a course of action by responding in kind, by saying, Lord, it's not enough, Lord, that I can just feel you. It's not enough that I just come to church and I'm blessed. It's not enough that I just come and know that you're so good and, and that you're going to do all these wonderful things. But yet, God, I want to respond even when it's difficult. I want to be found responding to the word of God by saying I've got skin in this game. I'm decided. I've made up my mind. I've got something involved and invested in this. And I declare that I'm going to do everything that must be done. It's so easy to create a comfort zone. 
just a, a place where everything is familiar with us. Comfortable. Ain't got no church trouble? Thank God. Got a pastor that's not desiring to leave? Thank God. Got saints that want to do the will of God? Thank God. Got church and we have good services. Feel the power of God and I'm satisfied. Hold on to that thought for a minute. If you're not careful, you're guilty of reacting to the Word of God and to the Spirit of God and not responding to the Word of God and the Spirit of God. A reaction is something that is just emotional. It's, there's not much else involved. And thank God for emotions. Tears run down your cheeks and you feel like you've been touched of God. That's an emotional reaction. Thank God for that. But yet there needs to be an aligning. There are things that God is calling us as a church to do that we have not done. I'd rather have everybody been here tonight, but, you know, the Lord knows all things. There are things that the Lord's been dealing with me about that this church should have already been doing. Say, well, Brother Moats, it's COVID and it's this and it's that. Yeah, we can find an excuse anytime we want to. Say, what do you mean? It's not necessarily programs that's going to cause the will of God to be accomplished. We can come up with programs coming out your ears. And programs, you know, they, I guess they have their place, and there's a certain, um, a certain amount of that that's prudent. You know, uh, the Word of God basically lets us know that, that things are organized. If you look in the book of Acts, there was a pecking order. There were the elders of Jerusalem, and then there were the, the saints of God, and then there was those that waited on tables and this sort of thing. So they had it all lined out. Everything was organized. Nothing wrong with an organization. I know my grandfather, he was, and I say this respectfully, he had gotten uh, injured, emotionally injured by some of the UPC brethren. And so he decided to remain independent the rest of his life, being called to preach in the 30s. And uh, the, the bulk of his ministry was in the 40s and 50s until he became physically where he could not. But nonetheless, he became bitter. And, you know, he, he always felt like that it was, and this was just him thinking, and I'm not saying it's so, but he thought, you know, that the organization was almost something that you shouldn't do. But yet again, I, as a young man, I, I, I come across this concept that, you know, God is, is for organization, whether or not it's man-made or not. The organization in the scriptures is quite clear how that men laid things forth, that things would flow better. God expects us to, to make sure to take care of things in a, in a proper order. But at the same time, if we're not careful, we become so reliant on those things. that we rely on the program instead of the God that we're trying to get to move, our God, the only God. And so therefore, if we're not careful, we get into a place where we react emotionally. Lord, help me get it across like I need to tonight. We react emotionally. And again, I'm not teaching or preaching against emotional uh, reaction to God. I'm saying that that is the least you should do, but that's not all that you should do. When you react emotionally to God, that's the beginning, not the end. A lot of folks think, when I feel God, well, that's it. You ever prayed until you talked in tongues? How many has not prayed till you talked in tongues? Now I got another question for you. Did you stop at that point? That's what I'm talking about. 
A lot of times we stop short of what we need from God. You know, when you're speaking with tongues and God's moving on you, Paul says, when I speak in that unknown, I pray in that unknown tongue, I what? Edify myself. I'm strengthening yours truly through the Holy Ghost. Or should I say the Holy Ghost is strengthening, not me. The Holy Ghost is strengthening me. And I'm being edified. Hey, that's biblical. Thank God for it. Paul said, I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. But the rest of the story is, we get our situation all tended to, and then we pick up our bags and go home. And God says, hold on a minute. I tended to your needs. Now, how about you tending to some of mine? So what God has needs? Absolutely, he has needs. He has needs for us to worship him. He has needs for us to pray for mercy for those that have no mercy. If we don't pray for mercy for those that have no mercy, I promise you they'll have no mercy. And God will be obligated by his word to judge them in due season. I wonder how many people have been lost simply because the church would not pray for mercy. I wonder how many people are, are lost and undone because simply because we just didn't take the time to put in some extra prayer and say, God, I respond to you. And I want to put some action into my prayers. I want to put some action into my life. I don't want to just mostly respond to you when you move and I feel God and I get that feel good feeling. And, and then when it's gone, then I'm gone. No, Lord Jesus, I want to move beyond the emotionalism. And God, I realize that my emotions are involved in your presence. But Lord, I want to move on in deeper. And I want to be able to take contact with you. I want to be able to touch you, Lord. And that's going to take a response from me that's going to take an action of commitment from me and I Lord God have got to reach out to you Lord in spite of everything that I can do you've probably never heard the name Gerald Mangan you've heard of Anthony That was Sister Vesta's husband, Anthony's father. Brother D.W. Barnes made a statement at a meeting one time. He said, I had Gerald and Vesta Mangan come and preach me a revival when they were very young. He said, Gerald spent hours in the church. Did you hear what I said? N not hour. He spent hours in the church every day praying. And Vesta spent hours praying every single day. From those prayers, they had a fantastic pouring out of God's spirit in Minden, Louisiana. I realize that our lives are very full. And maybe you can't dedicate hours of prayer a day. But somehow I believe that God's been calling many that's under the sound of my voice for deeper commitment to him. And a lot of times we brush it off by coming to church, and when we feel God, we just react. We don't really respond. We just react. The story of Naomi and her family. They leave Israel. They go to a foreign country because there was a famine in the land. And by and by, she lost her husband, Eli Melech. And then her sons married Moabite wives, Ruth and Orpah. Then her sons died. 
And Naomi became Mara in her mind, which is interpreted bitter. She turned to her daughters-in-law after the funerals. She said, go. Go to your families. Go back home. I find it interesting that both brothers passed. It could have been something like COVID. Interesting that both brothers seemed to pass very closely together because of the way the scripture bears out that they both had had recent funerals. And so, you'll read. First, she asked him, Go return, verse 8, to your mother's house, and the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. And verse 10, excuse me, verse 9, the Lord grant you that you may find rest, each of you in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them and lifted up, they lifted up their voice and wept. And they said unto her, Surely we will return with thee unto thy people. This was a reaction. How can you prove that, Brother Motes? Because Naomi begins to speak a little bit more in depth, and I'll just paraphrase to save the time. I ain't got any more children to give you for a husband. Besides, you're not willing to wait. If I had children to be grown and to marry them, what is the sense in you remaining with me? There is no reason. It would be much better if you go back home to mama. And so verse 14, and they lifted up their voice and they wept again. Another reaction. Then we see, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. Orpah never truly responded with any kind of course of action or decision. She just left. But something got in the crawl of Ruth. The Bible says Ruth clave unto her. She hung on. And she said, this is Naomi speaking. Behold, thy sister-in-law has gone back to her people and her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. But brother Justin, Ruth had a response. Orpah, all she did was react. It was an emotional reaction. Yeah, she went through the words of saying this, that, and the other. She didn't really mean it. And it was borne out in verse 14. She didn't really mean what she said in verse 9 or verse 10. And so now we find where Ruth says, don't, don't entreat me to, to leave you. In other words, don't ask me to leave you. Or from returning from following after you. For wherever you go, that's where I want to go. Wherever you stay, that's, that's where I want to stay. Your people... They're going to become my people. And hey, I know you're better at God right now, but you're God. It's going to be my God. Where you die, that's exactly where I'm going to die. And I'll be buried there. The Lord do so to me and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. She said, I'm committed. I've made up my mind. I've given the response that was necessary to do the will of God in this situation. Orpah, she had a reaction, emotional reaction, and she went on her way. But yet Ruth made up in her mind she had a response. 
And from that response came the greatest blessing that Moabite woman could ever hope for. She was included in the line, the line of Judah. She had a husband that loved her dearly. That all was born out in the book of Ruth. You, we don't have time to get into all the details, but it was born out. And all of that came because of her response. She didn't just react, but she responded and said, I'm committed to you, Naomi. Wherever you go, I'm going. Whatever you do, I'm doing. Wherever you live, that's where I'm going to live. Wherever you die, I'm dying same place. Your people's going to be my people. Your God's going to be my God. Oh, she made up in her mind. She decided, I am responding to the word of God. I'm responding to what should happen here instead of just reacting. John chapter 6. You know, sometimes your mind wanders into areas that probably shouldn't wander. I was just thinking as I was announcing this, John, my mind goes back to Brother Charles Mahaney. He was a case. I don't know if you ever had the opportunity to ever hear his ministry, but he was quite a character. He'd make Jeff Arnold look like a choir boy. He was something else. He made a statement one time, and he was just kidding, of course. He said, I thought when I got to church that John 3.16 meant the men's room on the third floor. Just that's the kind of man that he was. <laughs> anyway, let me get back to my back to my foolishness. John 6, 51. Jesus speaking here. He's speaking some hard sayings. And uh, let's see here. We'll just start at 51. It says, I am the living bread which come down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. And the Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Now, you got to admit, on the outside, this sounds pretty unnerving and gross. It sounds like a cult. <laughs> Talking about eating my flesh, something strange is afoot here. And so they, they strove among themselves. And what on earth is he saying? How can he give us his flesh to eat? Verse 53, then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I send you, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. What a, what a mouthful to say. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life and I will raise him up at the last day for my flesh is indeed meat indeed and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me and I in him. Man. We understand they didn't understand he was talking on spiritual terms at all. He didn't make that quite clear. Now, we that got the full of the Holy Ghost and studied the Word and understand that it's talking about spiritual dynamics, but hey, put yourself in these guys' shoes. They didn't have all that advantage. And the living Father has sent me, verse 57, and I live by the Father so that he eateth me 
even shall he live by me. And this is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. These things said he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Many, therefore, of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is an hard saying. Who can hear it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, uh, that would be the hand-picked men, those, the ones he picked out personally, they're doing what? Now, murmuring doesn't mean bragging on someone and telling how good they are. When you murmur against someone, you're not bragging on how good they are and how sweet they are and how kind they are, how smart they are. No, you're really giving them down the country. When Jesus knew himself as his disciples murmured at he said unto them, <laughs> Does this offend you? In modern terms, some of the disciples would say, duh. What and if you shall see the Son of Man ascend up from where he was before? It is the spirit that quickeneth the flesh, profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. Now, there's a reference to Judas there. There's also a reference to others that didn't believe. He knew ahead they weren't going to swallow all of this. And he said, Therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my father. From that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Their emotional response, their reaction was shock, disgust, misunderstanding. And those disciples never walked with the Lord again. But wait, there's more. Then Jesus said unto the twelve, will you also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Messiah, in other words, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered them, Have not I chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil? He goes and speaks of this one, which we know is Judas. He spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for he... It was that should betray him being one of the 12. Now, here's the rest of the story. And I'm going to wind this down. That day, Jesus delved deep into the word and deep into his will further than he had ever delved before. And he allowed them to see deep things of God and the purpose of God that had not yet been quite revealed on this manner before. And how they responded was going to determine how that they were going to live the rest of their lives. And the majority of the disciples, there were many disciples, it was more than just the 12. I don't know if you were aware of that, but there were many that followed after Jesus calling themselves disciples. But all those others, they left. They reacted. But yet Peter, he may not have understood everything that was going on. But you know, Peter, a lot of times he spoke when he shouldn't and said nothing, but this time Peter was spot on. He said, Lord, who shall we go? 
You've got the words of eternal life. Something that Peter picked up on when Jesus was speaking of eating of my flesh and drinking of my blood, it, maybe it began to dawn on Peter that there was a spiritual significance here. And he began to see that Jesus was letting his closest ones be able to be involved and to see what was actually going on with the purpose of Jesus. The rest of them was there for the loaves and the fishes. So why do so many people come to church and get the Holy Ghost and then walk away? Well, that's an answer that you'll have to ask God when you stand before him. But I can give you some things that come from the Word of God. Many people come just to get taken care of maybe a certain emergency in their life. And when that emergency has cleared up, then they go back to their old ways. Others become offended in the Word. There's different ways that people leave God. But I've seen many that have. They come to God and they love God and they, they emotionally respond to God. They react but there is no commitment that is put forward. And by and by, something will come and knock them out of the, out of the boat. Folks, do you really want to do the will of God? Then set forth in your heart, I'm not just going to react to the word and the things of God, but I shall respond with commitment and say, I'm a part of that. I want to do that. I want to be a part of that. I want more than I've ever had of God in it before. An observation by your pastor, and I say this with all sincerity, not making you feel bad, but I, I, I feel like I need to say it. And I've closed my Bible so you can breathe easier. I'm done. See? But oftentimes, what happens is our prayer is not complete. I've noticed in services in our church through the years, and I've been here working on eight years, that God will move. And you'll rise to a certain level. And it's kind of like the, the elephant that was chained to a chain. You ever heard that story? How they train an elephant not to run away? They'll put a chain on his ankle. You know, he'll pull on that chain until it chafes it raw. And then it causes pain when he tries to get away. And then by and by, they'll slip up and just take the chain off. The elephant ain't going nowhere. He still assumes that the chain's still there. And he's not going any further than the limits that that chain gave him. Could it be that we're the same way? That God's calling us to greater things and deeper things. And instead of responding, we just react. Oh, I feel the presence of God, so I'm going to worship God. That's good. That's awesome. But you need to take it the next step further. And that is respond. How do I respond? By saying, God, I want more of you. I want to grow in you. And I want to pray like I've never prayed before. I want to be the best prayer warrior this church has. God, I want to pray down hell. I want to pray heaven down. I want to see God move. Uh, Lord, I want to do whatever's necessary. Oh, God, I want to see the enemy run in terror. I want to see the, the devil let go of some sinners. Lord, it's only going to come when I learn how to war in prayer and call upon God and seek God's face like I never have before. This chemo that I have to take. And, you know, there's things about God I'll have to answer you on the other side. But this chemo, you know, it, it, it really robs me of a lot of things. I mean, I'm able to live a fairly normal life, but there's things that still, at this point, that, that, that hinder me. And one of them is that I can't fast like I used to. I 
can't do that. Every time Sister Motes prays in travail, I'm telling you, I've heard that woman pray until there would be goose pimples up and down my arm. That woman could pray the power of God down. She can't do it no more. Her chest goes to hurting so bad, and then the migraine comes. She said, I'm so frustrated, I can't, I can't pray like I used to. Why are you saying that, Brother Moses? I'm not saying it to make you feel sorry for me. That's not my purpose. My purpose is I need somebody to step in my place on these areas and do the will of God. And if you will do the will of God, then you will see great and marvelous things. Don't just react when services are moving, but respond to God and say, God, I want to put everything I've got. I want to see this is the best service I've ever attended. This is the best church service I've ever been in. I want every one of them to be to the glory of God. I want to see the power of God fall. I want to see the strength of the Lord in my church. I want to see folks born born again of the water and of the spirit. I want to see signs, wonders, and miracles. All of these things occur when God's people respond to the word of God. I'd love to lead you by example, but my body won't let me. So all I can do is give you the benefit of my years. Don't think I'm crazy tonight. But I'm being as sincere as I can be. The best I can give you tonight is the benefit of my years. I have seen God work. When I would fast and pray. And when God would put on me. It's not going to happen just reacting. You'll be blessed and you'll go home and you'll think you've really done something great, but you really miss God. If only you could feel what I feel. Don't just react. Don't just take the blessings and go home. Oh, but respond with commitment. Say, God, I got to have more. I want more. If you're not satisfied where you are, I say that is good. Can I ask you a question? How much time and money have you spent because you were miserable? And you think it's just because I'm just I need I need time away. Maybe that's not it. I hope you're listening to me tonight. That's not it. I'm gonna tell you what it is. It's the Spirit of God pressing you to pray and pressing you to move closer to him, pressing you to respond with commitment unto him and do more than you've ever done before. This church has the capacity to do so. But through the years, this church has struggled with issues of preachers coming and going and saints doing this, that, and the other. But you know what? We're past that now, so we can't use that as an excuse anymore. That's not the problem anymore. You don't have a pastor that browbeats you and beats you over the head and makes you feel like a dog. I hope not. I hope you see a pastor with a burden to see a church arise to the occasion. I can't make you. I can't force you. But I want to tell you something. I hope that, God, you can feel what I feel in my spirit right now. It says, God, I don't want to just respond, just to react, but I want to respond to your word and respond to your spirit and do the perfect will of God.
I have yet to see at the Weeches Church what I believe God has in store for her. It's not that you're wicked people, you're wonderful people. It's not that at all. But maybe it's just you're a little bit too comfortable. And it's so easy to just react and not respond. I can react. I can react service after service. Just react to the presence of God. Just give a emotional feedback to God. That's just reacting. But when I respond is when I decide I'm making a change. I'm making a move. And I'm going to do the will of God. What makes you happy? Some would say, well, my family. That's good. That's normal. Others would say, well, it's my church. Well, that's good. That's normal. Some would say, my friends, that's good, that's normal. But what about, what about being in the presence of God? And it's more than just feeling Him, but there's something transferring between you and Him. On a daily basis, not just at church, but something's happening at the house when you're there and you, you start to call on God. Brother Justin, my old flesh is just like your flesh. He don't want to pray. But I said in this afternoon, I said, God, show me what I need to pray. I don't know how to pray today. I don't know what to pray. I said, Lord, of course there's the issues with the wells and, and all of that. And I prayed about that. I said, but Lord, what else? What else do I need to pray? And then God just swept over me and I felt the presence of God. <laughs> It's only going to come when you commit things to God and you say, I'm going to respond to the presence of God. I'm going to say, God, what would you have me do? What would you have me do? What can I do to further the kingdom? What can I do, Lord, to strengthen your hand, God? What can I do, Lord? Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I realize this lesson was a little different. But I hope and I pray that you never forget this message. I'm telling you that tonight was planned by God. He knew who would miss and he knew who would be here. And you needed to hear what was said tonight. Could we pray right now? Can you just talk to God and respond to him? <laughs>